This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Money matters. It really does. Money matters to God If it didn't matter to God, he wouldn't have spoken about it so much in his word, both in the Old and the New Testaments. Jesus spoke about money. The Apostle Paul spoke about money, and money matters. The reason why money matters is and was expressed clearly in the Scripture, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And what God's interested in is your heart and mine. So the heart of of the issues of money always involves your heart. Now, that's also true when it comes to government. You see, government, for instance, in our country, is we the people. And we elect representatives, and those representatives supposedly represent our hearts. And so when we elect those representatives, supposedly we're trusting them to deal with the money that God has entrusted to all of us in a godly way. But what happens if that government decides to use the money to bribe citizens for their votes, such as what just happened with regard to the so-called student loan bailout? It's not about student loans. It's about bribing for votes. That's all it's about. It has absolutely nothing to do with a heart to help people with their loans. Because the reality is, the problems related to that get greater and greater and greater. In fact, what starts out is about $350 billion, now is estimated ultimately to cost close to a trillion dollars. And who's going to pay that? Well, you are, and I am. And did you vote for that? No. It was done by executive order. You see, this problem about money uh, goes to every single aspect of our lives, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, or neither. God has money on his mind because he has you on his mind. So, as we talk today together with our special guest, Miriam Neff, from Chicago, her book, Wise Women Managing Money, she and her daughter, Valerie, uh, who is also a lawyer and a money manager, have confederated together, shall we say, to write this fascinating and helpful book, primarily for women but the principles that are contained in the book are equally applicable to men. If men can be described, our Supreme Court justice now says she can't describe what a woman is. So if you can't describe what a woman is, how can you describe what a man is? You see, we get into all kinds of problems with regard to our words. Today, we're trying to sort out words so that when we speak about money, we actually are speaking 
godly truth. So I want to welcome today Miriam Neff to join us here on the program with her book, Wise Women Managing Money. Why Miriam, you, and Valerie? What is it? What has motivated you and Valerie to put this book together? Well, first of all, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your program. And I look at the fact that you're based on truth, and it's like, amen. We've got <laughs> well, that thank you. unity right there. But I started a widow's ministry after my husband went to heaven because I saw the need for it. Mm-hmm. And as I would go along, many times the problems they faced had to do with finances, not having enough to survive staying in the home they were in or with the car they had, or overseeing millions of dollars of trust mm-hmm. and not having the knowledge and the training and so forth to do that. So I'd be tapping Valerie, who's my daughter and also lives around the corner from me. Oh, okay, wow. You know, that is really a conspiracy. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and I'd say, okay, need help with this. I need you to vet some CFPs for me. I need you to vet some estate planning lawyers for me. And then in her world, and she works also for National Christian Foundation and for our church in uh, generosity giving of stocks and bonds and assets. Mm. So her world became very valuable to people that I was being, that were reaching out to me for help. And so we did a video series, just the, my daughter and I in my family room, kind of a down-home look, 26 five-minute videos about money. And Moody Press came and said, this needs to be a book. Well, we've never written a book together, but mm-hmm. why not? And I can tell you, Chuck, it has been fun. A lot of work, yes, but it has been fun. And well, it was a lot of work was, to put those videos together, wasn't it? Oh, it was, and we had to keep the doors closed so the dog didn't get on the See, show. See, I warned you not to <laughs> let the dog bark on this program, because if you barked back, it would go over the air live, and you didn't want that. I think it's funny because we have a dog. But anyway, <laughs> so the videos found a niche, and people were watching them just short. But the book gave us an opportunity to expand. Then you have a whole chapter to write about generosity. And you mm-hmm. used the word already, entrusted. That's a word we use. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not ours. It's God. It's on loan to us. So you don't do foolish. So in other you words, don't... in other words, we don't own anything, do we? As Christians, God that. owns it. We are trustees of what he has allotted to us. And yes, we can make our decisions as to what we're going to do with it. But ultimately, he desires that we would handle his resources that he's put in our trust in a godly way. Exactly. Read Matthew 25. It was it all belonged to the owner, and he entrusted it to stewards. Mm-hmm. And the stewards were tasked to multiply it. So when we talk about investing well and saving and making sure that we're doing it God's way, we're not saying put it in a shoebox because he, that doesn't honor him. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're saying it's his and to multiply it and do well and be generous to kingdom purposes and to support our families. All of that goes with the territory of recognizing it's all God's. And Valerie and I say that's our why. If you get discouraged because you're trying to save and you're only saving $5 a week, be encouraged. Your why is it's God. 
that little bit that you're saving, because now you know you've got to do that, you need to be able to take care of your family next mm-hmm. three to six months. Uh, a cost if inflation happens, if you lose your job. So we have no new news. We only have biblical word. I like that. You know, uh, the news is always about who, what, where, and when. All those facts. But what usually gets left out or distorted is the why. So you use the word why, and that's what the book is about. Why? Why do wise women need to know how to manage money and how they're going to go about doing it? Friends, the book is a $15 book, yours for $12 on our website, saveus.org, Wise Women Managing Money. I hope you get a copy. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. What a delight it is to join you here again on Viewpoint to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Today we focus on money. Our special guest, Miriam Neff, uh, her daughter Valerie, the co-author of the book, not able to join us because of her exceedingly busy schedule as an attorney and also a financial counselor. And uh, so Miriam is joining us. Miriam, I have to ask you a question, because in this day and age, inclusivity is always the word. So how do you get by with writing a book to wise women and not include men? Isn't that kind of bigoted? Well, it's funny you ask that. (laughs) By the way, I'm asking it somewhat facetiously. I know that. Well, you might have heard of a guy called Jerry Jenkins, who's yes. a best-selling author. Uh-huh. He endorsed this book, and he wrote in his endorsement, all men should read this book. So I guess that covers it. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much. I'm glad I brought it up, because there might be people out there that said, how dare you write a book just for women? And especially it, when you can't even define what a woman is. It's These are serious <laughs> times, aren't they? I know they are, and I don't mean to be laughing, but one of the things, too, is Val and I personally know many good people that talk about money in the Christian world, mm-hmm. and we admire Larry Burkett, who's in heaven now, and you know, right. he had, wrote books and had a lot of truth on that, and there's Crown Financial, and there's just so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dave Ramsey's, that's a biblically-based uh, form. But sometimes a woman wants to hear something in a woman's voice. And right now, 51% of the wealth in the United States is overseen by women. That's amazing. That's just a statistic. Another one is that most women lack financial confidence. So, for instance, a widow that comes to me and is overseeing now as trustee of $12 million trusts, Mm -hmm might invite me, and they have done this, to come with them when they sit with their financial planner. They're 
they're still grieving. They have, they want another set of ears there. And what we want to do is bring her financial confidence up Mm -hmm. because God says we can learn anything. And he's left these funds or entrusted these funds with that woman, knowing he will help her be competent in that. Now, this isn't a negative about me and my husband and I did our budgets together until he went to heaven. Mm. And well, wait a minute, I, wait a minute. You did budgets together. That's kind of a uh, almost a four-letter word these days. Well, everyone has one. They just don't know, might not know what it is. <laughs> if, you, if you think you don't have a budget, start writing down everything you're spending, including that high-cost cup of coffee on the way to work. Then before long, it'll be looking back at you, and you'll say, that's why I can't pay my credit card mm-hmm. off, because... More okay. is going out than is coming in. Now, I just want to uh, kind of align myself with you here. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 56 years. And uh, from the moment we got married, we have tithed always. It is the first thing that we do. We, we trust God. We believe that it's a threshold test of our trust. And we do that. Uh Usually, early on in our marriage, I handled the finances, but as I became more and more busy as a practicing lawyer, by the way, uh, my wife began to handle the personal finances, writing the bills, checks, and so on, and following up on those details as a help me. And then I would handle some of the bigger things like taxes and things related to our uh, property and so on. Well, we do the same today. We don't have two separate checking accounts from the standpoint that uh, we have divided funds. On the other hand, we do have two checking accounts because my wife uses the one that she, it's in both of our names, and she uses as an operational account for the day-to-day activities and paying of the regular bills. And then I deal with the the bigger issues uh, with a separate checking account so we keep tabs on one another, and I have assisted over the last, uh, say, 15, 20 years to actually help her develop uh, somewhat of an independent credit status uh, so that the fascinating thing is that uh, when we get our credit reports, hers is generally about five points higher than mine, even though we're both. Uh, up in the the upper area of uh, credit status. So uh, she feels much better now that she has that kind of position, that kind of credit position. What do you say about that? Well, it's incredible that you've done it so well together, and I wish I could say that most marriages are like that. Uh, One of the things that sometimes happens is the woman doesn't know as much about what's going on, especially with investments. Mm -hmm. And in 10 marriages, eight, the man will leave this planet before the woman. So when I have been asked to come and... Are you threatening me? No, these are just (laughs) statistics. That when we live longer, we Uh live longer. And think of the the dangerous jobs, firemen, policemen, construction. Sure. Um, And because of my ministry to widows, I very much am in touch with their needs and what happens. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've been invited, we've been invited to speak to financial groups that have couples there together. And here's a question I say, 
do you men love your wife? And they have to nod yes or they're going to get an elbow poke. Mm-hmm. And then I say, then they need to know everything about everything, including your investments. Mm. Boy, and now you've entered dangerous territory for many. For me, this is just what I'm called to do because I work with these women who may not know it. One woman, when her husband died, she had over $100,000 of credit card debt he had run up and she didn't know it. Wow. So what what I have, I am highly motivated mm-hmm. to say, look, this is biblical. Like you were talking about the truths of Scripture. It says, don't have debt. Now, there are only a few minor exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. Now, is our country setting a good example on no. not incurring debt? Our, no. cl- our, our country actually is doing just the opposite and destroying the citizens' confidence in true biblical money management. Amen. Amen. But also, personal debt is encouraged. When I uh, go online for my and to go into my bank account, before it comes to my bank account, it's it's saying you can get a debit card for your child. How lovely! What? Oh my word! I don't. I didn't trust my chi- children to pick what they were going to eat. Right. You know, they couldn't eat only popsicles. They had to eat asparagus. So I'm going to say, okay, you can spend, have a debit card. This is what is confronting the families, the people, mm, 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 the husbands mm. and wives, and we have a chapter on. Marriage, how do you talk about it? Not when you're tired and hungry. If there's right. disagreement, um, suggestions there. I mean, it's got to be practical of how do you how do you tackle this? And after you've written down everything you're spending for a month, two, three, and you look back and it's like, oops, that's my budget. Now, do I like it? Is, is it workable? Is it livable is it over workable? time? If I don't, then I need to change it. And I start by getting on my knees and say, Lord, this isn't honoring you. Proverbs says, till your field and then build your house. Don't build a house and hope your income goes up to cover the big mortgage. Mm. I have a sign just across from the broadcast desk here. It says, when life gets too hard to stand, kneel. And uh, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord, even with regard to these issues of money, don't we? We do. And can you imagine the example in our neighborhoods as people uh, know about our practical kind of living or in our churches where we're able to give generously and gladly because we are being that steward? Mm-hmm. And uh, there are examples in Scripture. The rich man hoarded. He had a lot of surplus, so he hoarded it, built bigger barns for himself. Mm-hmm. That didn't end well. Now, Joseph knew there was a famine coming. He stored up grain for the people for the mm-hmm. hard times ahead. God blessed him. So when we're not saying don't accumulate, but like, what is it for? Right. In other words, you're back to the why question. Why am I doing this? Exactly. Do I really believe that I'm going to be able to hitch a a trailer to my casket and carry this stuff out with me to heaven? Is that really what I think? What What is this all about? You started saying where your treasures are, that's where your heart will be. Yes. And... 
for instance, I have been blessed to be a part of different godly churches and no godly organizations that I can give to. But the scripture says, bless the future generation. So one thing I can do uh, in planning where funds will go when I'm no longer on this planet is designate other heavenly uh, places for investment because I can enable poor behavior with my children or support great behavior with my children. But God directs us to direct what he's entrusted to us, not just in this life, but moving forward. And that's why Val and I have chapters in there on wills and trusts and like, this isn't optional in our society today, not to have that. If you have kids and you don't have a will, you're saying to an ungodly courtroom that you're going to be paying three different judge lawyers that you don't pick in probate court to pick who will raise your children. Mm. You know, uh, this matter of a will, they say, well, there's a will, there's a way. And uh, uh, we we need to fulfill the master's will, uh, even in the writing of our own wills. So I agree with that uh, totally. And for those who have uh, greater resources, they need to seriously consider the possibility of a trust. Not everybody needs a trust, uh, but the greater the resources, the more the likelihood that a trust will be helpful. And uh, you need to find a godly attorney, which we did, uh, and it was a an interesting process uh, to go through. Uh, in fact, uh, we did this about five or six years ago, and uh, there have been so many changes in our world and family and so on that I think we're going to need to go through and reassess some of those things uh, because our world is not stagnant. Our lives are not stagnant. Just look at what hap- what's happening in the financial world today, Miriam. Oh, exactly. And in my state, if you have more than, um, I think it's $10,000, $15,000 worth of stuff, you need a will. You need a trust. Mm. If you own a home, practically in every case, you need to have a trust. Because if you don't have that money in the trust, it's going to go to probate, and again, right. you're going to pay for those lawyers. And well, decisions, decisions. So in other words, let's say someone says, well, I don't want to pay for a trust because it might cost uh, $1,500 to set that up, or it might cost $2,000, or you might be able to have find someone that does a good job for less than that. But a lot of people pay more in a year for their their internet connection right. or their whatever it is. So you'll research and put money and pick wisely for a stove or a refrigerator, which is going to wear out or um, the internet stuff will go up. Why, why did you have to mention those things? We have to replace ours. Why did you have to mention those? Just stir <laughs> in my uh, inner being again and upset the apple cart, Miriam. Well, I get I didn't do it on purpose. I, didn't do <laughs> I know. It on purpose. Actually, we had to move. We moved into a new location, and uh, every operational system was dysfunctional, and <laughs> it was one of the costs that we had to uh, plan for. And uh, speaking of planning for things, you have a a chapter uh, talking about six keys to create a spending plan. 
And I think it would be advisable to us to uh, go through uh, those six keys, uh, at, at least in a simple way. So uh, we're going to do that after this upcoming break. Friends, we're talking with uh, Miriam Neff. She is the, the queen of Chicago. Uh, I, I say that in an honorable way. Chicago isn't known for its uh, uprightness, not known for its uh, Christian integrity. Uh, on the other hand, there are many godly people there in Chicago, uh, among them Miriam Neff and her daughter Valerie Neff Hogan. Her book <clears throat> is a $15 book, Wise Women Managing Money, and it's yours for $12 on our website today. We're going to go over some of the things that this book contains. It's going to be so, so helpful to hundreds of listeners out there. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website. SaveUs.org. That's SaveUs.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at SaveUs.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We know that the financial world is in deep, deep trouble. Uh, when the so-called uh, Inflation Reduction Act came out, we knew that the mere choice of the words was deceptive. It was not an Inflation deduction, Reduction Act. It was an Inflation Increasing Act. And they knew it. You and I have to be wise. We have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Friends, Jesus said, deception was going to be one of the premier characteristics of these times just before his second coming. The Apostle Paul warned about the deception. The Apostle Peter warned about the deception. And we can get caught up in a lot of deceptive thinking with regard to the issues of money and finance. You and I are called to be kingdom people. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. So we're not to, to, we're not to be out there seeking wealth. That's not our purpose. That's not the why of our life. The why of our life is to seek first the kingdom of God. So, Miriam, you actually talk about this in some respects in your book. What do you? What would you say to women that that means? Well, first of all, it means we need to be godly, and if there's anything that we doubt that we can do, uh, we have to go and say, I'm seeking wisdom from you, Lord, 
and not look around us in our culture for the example. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, our book is really practical because we get it that it's one thing to have the big concept. It's another thing to be very daily and do it. Okay, so do you, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only because James says we deceive ourselves when that happens. Exactly. You deceive yourself when you put a bunch of stuff in your cart on Amazon or whatever. You don't have the money to pay for it now, but it doesn't matter. It goes on your credit card. Mm. Oh, dear. Maybe at the end of the month I can. Wait, so let's go back to the basics. See, now you went and... from preaching to meddling. Okay, well, let me meddle <laughs> some more. I'm, we have six steps, and I'm glad people can get the book through your website, because then if they don't can't write it all down now, just take a quick listen. Right. It's all there. But the first step is you have to know what's coming in. Mm-hmm. Your, your whole thing doesn't start with what do I want or what does the culture say you should have or you owe it to yourself. What's coming in? How okay, but, but the, our government you know, doesn't do that. Never our does that. The Bible is our our benchmark, not the government. Thank you very much. So how big is your field? You have a little field, you're going to have to have a little house uh, and be content with that. If you have a bigger field, you can build a bigger one. Mm-hmm. In those days, it was a tent, so you could expand your tent. Well, now you can't exactly knock easily down a wall and build it. But the concept is what's coming in. Mm-hmm. And that is God's, not yours. So you start, you don't say, you don't get this box of chocolates from your parent and take the box of chocolates and gobble it all up. You offer the box back to the parent that gave it and say, you first. Mm. So that's that's pretty basic. So we're saying, okay, so what I want to do is know what's coming in. Right. The second thing is what am I spending? And as we said earlier, you just track everything. I'm paper and pencil. My my uh, daughter and her husband are spreadsheets. Mm. Well, never mind spreadsheets for Miriam, but it works <laughs> for them, and mine works for me. Mm-hmm. So there's the first two steps. And then the third is you have pay every bill promptly. When you wait and you are assessed a little fee, you're taking money out of the bag God has given you and throwing it away. And Not I'm only that, but you're interfering blessed. with your character and your integrity. That's true. So I, it's okay for me to be that blunt with you, with the listeners, Chuck. Sure, you're absolutely. Okay so you want to pay those promptly so you're not throwing away money that doesn't need to be thrown away. Then we say track your big T, and that's you draw a T on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. and you're putting down what's coming in and what's going out. And we say it's liabilities and assets. Mm-hmm. Someone will say, what's your assets? We say, it's stuff. What is, what's the stuff? What do you own? What are your liabilities? And how many families now that credit card date uh, debt is almost knocking the T over? Yeah. It's, so, it's a very have, dangerous thing. <clears throat> the problem is not with the credit card. The problem is with the person who has the credit card and how they're using it and why they're using it. And uh, if they're paying their bills promptly, then they're not going to have a problem. But if you keep increasing the level of your credit card uh, and not paying 
timely and uh, beyond what the minimum payments are, you are eventually going to drive yourself into bankruptcy, aren't you? You are. And if I can digress before the fifth step, let me just say what that is, is not allowing ourselves to delay gratification. And that's another thing that our world says, you deserve it now, get it now, get it big, get it better. Mm. The biblical concept is, again, do you, can you cover that? Take care of your family first. It's it's not all this me now and me big. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a little side from because of my background in counseling. All right. But back but to the point. I, I want to add to that. Uh, it's not just a matter of can I take care of my family, but can I do what God expects me to do as an expression of my, uh, shall we say, threshold level of trust? Should I not be uh, in advance preparing to give into his kingdom since he owns it all anyway? And if someone is saying, well, we can't give because we have no margin, that's kind of, that's denying our why, why we have it. And when you said you started tithing when you were first married, we encourage people, men and women, before they marry, talk with each other. You should know the credit score of that guy, whether it's young marriage, first marriage, second marriage after widowhood or whatever. What's their credit score? How do they spend money? Oh, he's a saver and I'm a spender. We'll be married and it'll all work out. Nope, that's not how that... And you may say, okay, then that's not the person I'm going to marry because are their biblical standards what God has said and can we mesh that? And if it can't be uh, agreed on before marriage, it will just get harder. You know... um... Uh, as I indicated, I practiced law for 20 years in California. And uh, when I began practicing law, I had to leave the teaching assignment that I had for for seven years. <clears throat> and when I did, I took a cut in pay to practice law. But it didn't wow. keep us from tithing. It didn't keep wow. us from writing out a check every month or week or whatever it was for 10%, a threshold uh, release to demonstrate our trust in the Lord. What I discovered, and Kathy and I had this experience, is that as I began to practice law and income began to increase and God began to bless us, the more he blessed us, the more we were able to give into his kingdom, not just a tithe, but in other ways, expressing hospitality and so on, and preparing for other people to be folded into our lives as part of a broader kingdom expression. And we took great joy in that. The the more we were able to write, the greater our happiness, the greater our joy, because we realized, you know what? God is working in this. This is his kingdom economy. I want to be part of his kingdom economy. It's not about the bless me club. It's about being part of God's kingdom economy, which reveals whether I trust him or not. Isn't that right? It is. And it's an act of faith when you give maybe that first small amount if you haven't been doing that. And then along with that, volunteer in that place that you're giving. 
so that you see the behind the scenes and see their needs. Mm. And we have learned in Chicago, even in supposedly uh, some Christian-oriented churches and whatever that haven't been, um, they haven't followed biblical guidelines, you need to know that it is indeed an organization or a church of integrity. So volunteer. What do they need now? Someone to open the door, someone to sit in the nursery, someone to uh, help fill up the coffee pots. Get in there and put your sweat equity Hmm. into where your heart is leading you. Um, In our family, we have adopted children and adopted grandchildren. Mm. So you might know that we have a heart for agencies that help um, children with special needs Mm. match with families. That's a great application. Well, someone else might say, well, that's not that's that's not one of the areas I treasure. That's fine. Bob and I just decided shortly after we were married, if we had health to parent, because kids take a lot of energy, mm-hmm. and work to feed them because they eat and their feet grow, we'll do both. We'll have an adopt, a simple decision. We didn't march. We didn't protest. We didn't write letters. I'm not saying anything negative about that. I'm saying we just adopted other children. So How many children did you ultimately adopt? Two adopted and two born to us. Well, that's and, a good spread there. And it wasn't an order we had planned. It was the children God knew needed to be in our family at the time that he ordained it. Well, and I have adopted grandchildren who are of different racial backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And were much older when they came to the family. Now, I'm not saying this as this is what any family should look like. I'm saying you, God will lay on your heart mm-hmm. where you need to be generous. Which has and, to do with the why of what this discussion is all about. It's not just about money in the abstract. It's not just about getting wealthy. It's about being part of God's greater kingdom purpose and economy. The Seeking First of the Kingdom. All right, we're going to be back with uh, Miriam in just a moment. I hope you'll stay tuned. Get a copy of her book. It's a $15 book, yours for $12. Wise Women Managing Money. Wise Women Managing Money. On our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-US and get it today. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. If there's any overarching message that uh, Miriam Neff today joining us 
with her book, Wise Women Managing Money, is bringing us. It's You Can Do It. You Can Do It. Now, you make the necessary choices, and God will help you make the necessary changes. It's as simple as that, and it's a process. We've been talking about these uh, six keys uh, for creating a spending plan. We, We get to number five. What's that all about? Well, it's organizing the documents, because whether they come in the mail or whether it's an email bill or whatever, if you don't know where it is, it's more likely to be late. Mm-hmm. If you aren't tracking that and, and keeping those documents together, if for me, a paper pencil person with with files, mm-hmm. that works. So that I can look back and say, what are the charges like running for that particular um use that I am creating or that I'm using. You mean like utility bills, that kind of thing? Right. Utility. What is is that changing to? And mine are changing now because of inflation. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I have to cut back in something else. Mm. So organizing and knowing that is valuable, not just for the moment, but down the line because things do change. My wife is great at that. She attends to that with uh, vigilance and diligence and the sixth key has to do not with ourselves, but others. What's that all about? Well, we need to be careful who we're listening to. Mm-hmm. If you go shopping with a person and you try on something or whatever, most of us don't do that anymore. We go online and it kind of costs a lot. And somebody says, you're with someone and they say, oh, that's great. You owe it to yourself. Get it. But you know. You owe it to yourself. Uh-huh. People, we hear that. We hear it when advertising things on television from the kind of home to the kind of flooring to all kinds of stuff. We owe nothing to ourselves. God has given us everything we need for contentment, period. Mm -hmm. So that's where this matter goes. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful if you're listening to someone that says, well, you're a widow now. You know what? You're frustrated with all this I think you might want to meet someone that'll be your uh, safety net for money. Dumb idea. Excuse me for being blunt. God is our provider. Mm-hmm. And remarrying for any purpose other than God's direction is not a solution. Right. And in the book, we talk about having a board of directors. You sit at the head of a big, beautiful table, and you have people sit in chairs around you, and you listen to them. Well, it's really... God at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. But we talk about having a godly person has been through something you're going through. Maybe it's a job loss or whatever. And having someone who has common sense, someone who has wise on Wait a minute. Finance. Where do you find common sense today? Well, it's uncommon. It's totally uncommon. It's to- well, you look at who's doing it right. <clears throat> Who around you doesn't have debt? And we don't, when we are in groups and we're talking about this stuff, we don't compare numbers. But who is not in debt? And in terms of our children, who uh, sometimes it's children asking for help because they were unwise, or sometimes they are asking because there's a crisis they truly could not have foreseen. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in when we respond to them. And with other godly friends in our life that we talk about this kind of thing with some transparency, they can see, I see a red flag there. 
you know, why has he been unemployed for so long or whatever? And it takes special uh, godly people that we can listen to or someone that says, you know what, you seem so stressed these days. What are you frustrated about? Oh, you didn't build into your budget your property tax? And here Uh in Illinois. I just Uh pulled out the file today. Property taxes and uh, quarterly IRS taxes coming due. I had to pull out the file today. So these are the kinds of things that we want other people around in our life, and they can help us not be impulsive. Like, why does that have to happen now? Or let all that stuff sit in your order cart for a month and then see if you want to, you know, purchase what's in the cart. Some of the stuff you think, oh, I don't, why did I even want that? Mm. Again, delayed gratification. Okay, there are several things. I mean, you've got a lot of chapters here. What is it? Uh, 26 chapters in this book, and each one deals with a separate aspect. You talk about insurance. You talk about marriage and money, emotions, uh, financial fraud, uh, crisis, uh, goals, risk tolerance for investing. We've talked about a number of other things like the wills and the trusts. You talk about different kinds of investment. What does that look like? The habits of wise women managing money and uh, leaving a legacy. But I want to talk to you about a couple of very practical things. One, as a former trial attorney, uh, I found with 80% of my clientele coming from the broader body of Christ, I found a repeating problem. And that is, in one way or another, people began to co-sign for others. Parents began to co-sign for their children. They even entered into joint agreements with their homes, with their children, only to discover that the children took their homes right out from under them. This matter of co-signing is a very serious issue. It's so serious that three times in the book of Proverbs, God warns about it and calls a person who co-signs for others a fool. What do you say? Well, God's Word said it, and it's very strong. And you know that you say, you say, never say never. Well, let me tell you this. I am saying never, never, never. Now, here's just a plain old question. Why are they asking you to co-sign? Because the bank wouldn't let them buy that car, or the bank wouldn't let them take on that mortgage, mm-hmm. or the bank wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't. You fill in the blank what they're wanting you to co-sign. If the if the person that or the organization that runs the numbers know they are a risk they won't take, why on earth are you taking money that God has entrusted to you and playing Russian uh, roulette with it? I was going to say it, and I thought maybe I shouldn't say it. <laughs> <Why> <laughs> You're too you sensitive putting... to Russia these days. <laughs> why on earth would you uh, risk what God has entrusted to you when a worldly organization, a bank, a mortgage company, a car um, purchasing company, whatever, they won't take that risk. Yeah. Never, never, never. The person can do without until they have built up their resources 
or the down payment required Mm -hmm. or to buy a used car that they clunk around in in embarrassment. Hello, that's okay. Uh, Because that is simply God's direction about co-signing. Well, you know, this comes into play big time with regard to uh, university and college uh, fees and so on. And parents are assaulted. Uh, They want to uh, help their kids, and so they'll co-sign. And uh, so they become totally liable on those loans, and actually those student loans cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. So the parent becomes eternally indebted. Now, I have 10 grandchildren, and uh, three of those, if not four of them, have come to me at various times, and uh, here's how I handled that. I made a loan. I made a loan. We signed a document that required them to pay a certain amount, a certain rate of interest, and then I said, now, if you pay this without... uh, Messing up on your payments, if you will pay this fully, I will forgive all the interest. Now, what I did, I made a gift to them. But I also taught them the responsibility of taking care of their own matters. And I did not take on a further responsibility. I knew when I lended the money that they might not pay back, But at least then, somebody can't come in and take my bed out from under me. I think parents and grandparents are snookered these days into very serious uh, problems with their kids, with their grandkids, and with others. And they want so badly to help, but they ignore God's basic principles. Any further thoughts? Oh, I do. I was a counselor in public high schools for 26 years and helping them find colleges and so forth. And one of the things I would say, if you don't have money for school, especially if you're undecided, go to the local community college. (coughs) It's a lot cheaper. Right. Live at home. Uh, Yes, that means you have a curfew and you can't be weird. And then get your gen eds out of the way and know what you want to do. And make sure you're getting training in what will give you a better job. Exactly. Because I could list 15 majors now that you get out and you'll be working at a coffee counter. There are no jobs in those areas. You mean like women's studies? Like geography. Mm -hmm. uh, Like, (laughs) well, women's studies, men's studies, because we don't know who's a woman and who's a man. That's exactly right. It's so confusing. But, for instance, engineering degrees, business degrees, and at junior colleges now they have two-year programs in medical services and Mm -hmm. all kinds of things, which are good jobs. Yeah, all four of those grandchildren, the oldest grandchildren, went to community college. One is now in his second year of residency as a doctor. One is a nurse and two are in engineering school, and not one of them uh, has, you know, we have have not signed for any kind of co-signing for them. 
Oh, yeah, they had to suffer with cars that are broken down and look ridiculous, even the doctor. But boy, do they realize there are no free lunches out there. And so they've learned a lot. Now, before we go further, we're right at the end here. You have a chapter called Kingdom Equity, and that really caught my attention. Equity, equity, equity. Everybody talks about equity these days, but when we talk about equity in this regard, what are we talking about? Well, what's getting invested for heaven's purposes? And I give the example. My grandma Hattie taught me to sew on a treadle sewing machine when I was eight years old Mm -hmm. because we had to make our own clothes. When I was running around Northwestern in Evanston getting degrees, I never bragged about, oh, I can sew clothes on a treadle machine. I mean, how uncool is that? Right. But when I became a widow and I started looking at widows in Africa and I saw that if they had a skill, they could keep their children. They didn't have to be prostitutes. So what did we end up doing in these villages without uh, electricity? We bought treadle machines. Widow Connection paid for their training. They They didn't get paid to come. We paid for their trainer to come and train them. Mm-hmm. They graduated with a skill. So someone would say, well, Miriam, that's a throwaway skill, that old-fashioned thing. No, God had a purpose for that. Mm-hmm. And he invests kingdom equity as anything in your life, whether positive or negative, is God's in investment in you. Right. And the person that told me this concept when he listened to what I was doing and said, you're rich in kingdom and equity, and I said, I don't know what that is, he explained it. Look, you lived in a house without running water for a while. That was kingdom equity for when I'm in a village. So he said everything, negative or positive. And then he said, Miriam, how are you going to spend it? There you go. And that has to do also with the legacy that we leave, and every single one of us is going to leave a legacy. Is there equity, kingdom equity, out of which that legacy is going to spill? That's the big question, ladies and men. Here's the book, Wise Women Managing Money. Expert advice on debt, wealth, budgeting, and more. $15 book, yours for $12. I hope you'll get a copy and avail yourself of this tremendous tool. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Adding it, uh, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Become a partner, friends. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, even today. Let's get our money right as a manifestation of our trust in the Lord. You're listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 